All right, hello everyone and welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Ashley Stewart. This is Awareness with Ashley. Every week I pick a quote that relates to life with chronic illness and I explain how it relates to chronic illness and what I want people to know about that particular chronic illness. That being said, this week, as you can tell, is going to be a little bit different. So I have not really been asked this in the comments of my older videos on weight loss, which kind of does surprise me to a certain degree. However, I have been asked by family and friends this question on my thoughts about the new medication Ozempic, which it's not really a new medication from what I understand, but it's now being used actually quite a bit for people who are trying to lose weight. I want to share my thoughts on this and it kind of gets into the topic in general actually about my specific thoughts on using medications for weight loss just kind of in general. I'm going to be picking on this particular medication though because there are some certain things about it that I can actually relate to, which I'll get into in this particular podcast. Well, as I was saying, I haven't really been asked about my thoughts on this topic besides a few people I know well, but I would like to share as I feel like I have a unique situation when it comes to this whole situation with Ozempic and how popular it is right now. But that being said, first, I need to state that there's a disclaimer with this. I am not a doctor, nor do I have any medical credentials besides some basic nutrition that I took during my biochemistry degree. That being said, your medical team does know you the best when it comes to the situation you are in. If you have exhausted all other options and could possibly lose weight with Ozempic, I'd say go for it, especially if it might save your eyesight in the process. I come at this from someone who has lost weight and successfully kept it off for a few years now. So basically my credentials on this are one of few, which I can say that I have successfully lost weight with diet and exercise and I've successfully kept it off. Not a lot of people can say that. But that being said, I do think that there are particular times where weight loss medications are particularly useful and even surgery for that matter. So I'm coming at this, basically my views on Ozempic are from the situations where you haven't really tried much of anything else, in all honesty, like you haven't actually given these other options a try. And they're like prescribing you Ozempic because it's kind of the trendy thing to do right now, it seems like for everybody. I feel like I have a unique perspective on this because like I said, I've been successfully able to keep my weight off for a few years now. I want to first get into my feelings on Ozempic for weight loss. And let me tell you, I've got a lot here, but I'm basically only covering like the few biggest issues and the few things that actually came to my mind. It's going to be not an all-inclusive list, but it's going to cover the biggest ones. The first one being the basic question. What happens when you get down to your desired weight? 
do you stop the medication? If you do, won't you just gain the weight back again as you haven't made the necessary lifestyle changes to make weight loss successful in the first place? Losing weight is actually a lot like awakening. So for those of you who are following my meditation and awakening journey, I've actually covered this in previous podcasts. I've said how this journey with awakening is kind of like you're awakening basically that initial first shift is kind of just the start of this whole thing and then there's so much after well the same is true with weight loss actually so when you are losing weight it's essentially just the start of it because once you've lost the weight and have gotten to your desired weight or your desired goal which we all reach eventually if we're on a weight loss journey what happens when you have reached that Do you continue with the medication? Do you stop the medication? And what happens if you have been rushed onto this medication without trying other things? And do you stop the medication? Like, is this a lifelong thing? And this brings up a lot of questions that if someone answers, well, yes, it will be a lifelong thing because if you obviously go off the medication, you're going to have everything come back. Well, that just opens another can of worms that I'm not actually going to get into today. When weight loss is what people see really from the start because they haven't actually achieved it they don't realize that there's a whole nother longer thing that starts actually after you've lost the weight to begin with and it's kind of the same when it comes to awakening people only look at that initial shift and once they've achieved that they don't realize there's a whole other set of things that happens after basically it's kind of an interesting example to cover because those of you who are on the journey will completely get it but it's probably a bad example honestly to use for a majority of the population weight loss is just the start of essentially what is the rest of the entire story because your work doesn't stop once you get to your desired goal essentially the second biggest thing that i want to cover actually is those of you who know i am actually a pharmacy assistant and one of my jobs actually is to maintain the stock in the pharmacy and i am aware of pretty much all the shortages that we have right now None of them really make any sense, actually, besides Ozempic because of how popular it is right now, at least in my opinion. As a pharmacy assistant, we are currently having massive problems keeping this medication in stock because of people using it for weight loss. This is actually harming others as they can't get the medication they need. So for those of you who don't know, Ozempic's original desired use or original intended use is for people with uncontrolled type 2 diabetes. And a lot of these people have exhausted every other option to keep their blood sugars in check. And they're kind of at the end of basically options to use once they're on Ozempic. A lot of people find that this medication works very well for this desired intended use and actually does help them quite a bit. And because of that, they're being harmed in this case. Type 2 diabetes is completely different than losing weight. This puts actually us frontline pharmacy staff in a tough situation as some people are understandably upset that they can't get the medication they need. It's obviously not the only shortage that's happening right now. Those of you who are in the pharmacy space will know that there's a lot of other medications actually that we can't get in stock either right now. But it's something that it is directly impacting us actually quite a bit because of 
how particularly popular this medication has become. The next thing I want to get into is addressing lifestyle factors. Many people might claim that they aren't just going to use the medication to lose weight, and they'll make the changes they need to. However, most people like an easy solution, or what they think in their mind is an easy solution. Losing weight is losing weight, but what about addressing the bad habits too? Examples for me, which I'm going to actually cover a little bit later on in the podcast, are not drinking my calories and keeping my stress low. This is what I found actually helps me with maintaining my weight loss. Because you're relying so heavily on a medication to lose the weight, you're not really addressing these underlying issues that will inevitably come up again, basically. You'll see a difference on the scale because these medications do work for weight loss. But what I'm essentially getting at here is the sustainability of just focusing on the numbers. And just focusing on the numbers, you don't address the overall issue at all. The fourth thing I want to cover with this is the fact that it's an injection. So I am actually on a needle. Those of you who know, I've talked about it all of the time. I'm on Amavig for migraine prevention, and it's also an injection, but it's an injection I do once every four weeks. I do this injection once every four weeks. From what I understand, Ozempic is a weekly one. It's a weekly injection. It's not fun giving yourself a needle even every four weeks, and to have to do it weekly for the rest of your life to maintain weight loss, I'd be pretty sad about that, honestly. If you can lose weight without the injection, it would be the same result without the fear and the pain of the injection. I want to talk a little bit about the anxiety that comes up when I do an injection. So I don't get anxiety anymore leading up to the injection. I usually actually do it first thing in the morning because I would think about it all day if it was the day that I had to get myself my Imavig needle. And then I w- that's all I would think about all day. However, that's changed because of what's happening right now with this awakening stuff. So time is not really a thing. And that being said, I still get nervous as soon as I remove the safety cap. As soon as I remove the safety cap, which is, or maybe it's not even then, maybe it's when I'm doing the alcohol rub actually, is when I actually get a little bit of nerves. It's a little bit of anxiety and it's because my amovic needle can hurt quite a bit. Although it's 20 seconds to save several days of migraine pain, which is a lot worse, it's still an injection. There's still a fear and a nervousness that happens with with an injection. And I do this once a month. I do it once every 28 days. I can't imagine having to do an injection like this weekly, like once every seven days. I mean, I could do it if I had to, But, like, why do this for weight loss if you don't have to, I guess is my whole question. Like, you'll get used to it because I've gotten used to the Amovic needle. But there's still that anticipation. There's still that anxiousness. Some people are going to be a lot worse than that than others. I Like I said, I've managed to tame my anxiety quite a bit by having a meditation practice and what's going on with this whole journey that I can't actually talk about. However, it happens no matter how much you get used to giving yourself the injection, there's still a fear that comes with that. And, you know, it's not something that's talked about a lot. Even with 
a lot of practice with this, I still get nervous because it's still an injection. The next one I want to get into is cost. With any newer medications that are particularly brand name, you're always going to have cost be a factor. Even in Canada, where we have essentially universal health care, our pharmacy system, although some medications can be kind of helped by government depending on your income, depending on if you meet certain criteria with medications, you're using this for weight loss. So unless you have really, really good private coverage in Canada, you're going to be paying a lot of money for this every month. It's expensive. It's not Amavig expensive, not even close, but it's still very expensive. This can be a humongous factor for people who don't have insurance. And when you're looking at people with IIH, the chances that they're going to have insurance through an employer or really anything are pre pretty much zero because you're unable to work when you're that sick. So cost needs to be a factor with this. Now, getting into cost of losing weight without medications, there is no, essentially no cost. You can, yes, healthier food and groceries is expensive with inflation these days. However, you're actually going to be saving some money in the end because you're not eating out. A lot of us who have weight issues eating out is a big thing. I'm going to get into this when I talk about the next section about my weight loss journey as well. However, cost for this needle is going to be unaffordable for pretty much everybody that I'm pretty much talking about the situation with, which is the people with IIH and whether I would have been able to afford this injection before. The answer is no because I wasn't working. Cost is going to be a big factor for people in this case, and you can essentially lose weight for the cost of groceries if you start out by even just walking. Like, most movement, you don't need a gym membership to lose weight at all. Therefore, cost of doing this the old-fashioned way, although it's going to be slower and it's harder, it's going to be cheaper. <laughs> so, that being said, cost is going to be a huge factor when it comes to this particular medication because it is new and it's brand name. Those are the two biggest factors. I do actually have more than this, but for time purposes, I'm going to leave it here as I think I've addressed kind of these bigger issues that kind of come to mind. And actually, I had forgotten originally to talk about cost. It cost actually, if I was to rank like these kind of in my biggest areas of concern, I would have put this as actually number two. So the number one actually is my number one biggest concern, like what happens when you successfully lose weight and it, it's essential time to talk about coming off the medication, like kind of what happened with me with the acetazolamide. This would be number two, if not even ahead of what happens if you're successful with weight loss, because you would have to be able to afford it for long enough that you can successfully lose weight. And I guess maybe another big thing that we need to talk about is the time it takes to success successfully lose weight safely. I lost weight from about, I successfully started to get some success with weight loss, I think at the end of 2018. 
And it took until pretty much the following year in 2020 before I successfully lost weight. Now, there's a few reasons for that, which I do cover when I talk about my weight loss journey, which is coming up next, that I do actually want to cover. However, losing weight successfully, especially if you have a lot of weight to lose, I actually had a lot of weight, like for considering how small I am. So I'm only like five foot two. But I weighed about, I think it was 178 pounds, 100, actually no, it was in the 180s. I wasn't, maybe in the 180s when I was at the heaviest. And now I'm about 135 to 140, depending on the time of the month and liquid retention and all of that things that happens when you're female with hormones. That amount of weight loss took me a year. So if you're, let's say in the 200s and you're a taller person, and all of that, or even you're quite significantly overweight, you're looking at quite a while before you have successful weight loss in a healthy way. And like, I think the average that they say for successful and healthy weight loss is about one to two pounds a week. Like these things about this is going to be a quick thing is not even close. It feels like it takes a lot less time to put on weight, but it takes a while, honestly, even to put on weight usually. I would say the one exception that I had was when I actually was initially sick with IIH. It felt like I was gaining weight really, really fast. But I sometimes wonder if you have hormonal things that are going on, whether that can actually cause weight loss to happen a little bit quicker. But I don't have any expertise in this, so I'm just going to say that you are looking at a time factor with this as well. And the time factor is important when considering costs because you're going to be on that medication. Even if, let's say, you were successfully able to lose weight and come off of the medication, that cost is going to be a factor for a long time. That being said, if doctors do say, oh, well, you're looking at this for the rest of your life, cost is, is going to become the biggest factor, essentially. I do think cost of medications is something that needs to be stressed a little bit more in medicine because I feel like this isn't something that's considered as much as it should be when recommending medications to patients. And actually, I think that this should be something that's more talked about and doctors need to be more aware of. The pharmacists know. The doctors, however, have no clue. Those are my concerns or my biggest concerns, I guess, with Ozempic in particular, but now I want to show you the proof of my weight loss journey so that this kind of comes with a bit of merit about why I'm concerned about this particular thing. I want to talk about this even though I have shared it in previous videos, and if you've followed my earlier videos and vlogs, you can watch a lot of this happen too. How I did it was with the help of a registered dietitian, and I was able to learn about portion sizes. I actually used an app called MyFitnessPal at the time. I don't know if it's still a thing. I don't use it anymore. But that's the app that I was shown and given to use. And it taught me about portion sizes. It taught me about calories. I also have a few things that I'm still really strict about. So I'm going to get into those in this section. So this is more about not really my particular weight loss journey, but what I found during my weight loss journey that I've kept and has continued to help me essentially with 
maintaining my weight loss successfully. The biggest thing I probably do, and I tell this to people who are actually struggling with finding the time to exercise, is I don't drink my calories. And this is probably the biggest thing that I do. You can easily have an extra meal plus a little if you have anything but water every single day and even actually multiple times throughout the day. I think you can you could easily get an extra meal easily. And just a note that I don't actually drink coffee, but if you do and you use like milk, cream, or sugar to just be careful as this can be a particularly big source of hidden calories, especially because a lot of the population seems to need to have caffeine to wake up in the morning. That being said, exercise can be hard to do these days due to the lack of energy from work. As I said, I pretty much when I'm working, that's all I do. And it's because it's the only, it, it takes all of my spoons. Work is also a factor because there's a lack of time as well. So this helps keep my calories where I won't gain as long as I'm not sitting on my butt all day, which my job helps me with because it's a very active job. It's not as active as it could be sometimes, but it's still a thing. And it's, I'm on my feet. I'm making several steps a day and it's, there's some days where I don't make as many steps, but it, it's on my feet. I'm active and that's basically the bottom line of it. I drink water. This also helps with hunger too, but I drink water and, and I don't drink my calories. I basically pick a day of the week where I want to have something that has a little bit of calories in it. Often it's like a glass of chocolate milk or something, and it's about half of the portion that I know is technically the portion that the jug says is a portion. And if you look at the portion sizes actually on the jug of chocolate milk and you were to have two portions of that, that's an, an that can be like a th two thirds of a meal basically. I think this would be an interesting exercise actually to do for those of you who do like to have something with calories in it, whether it be juices or milk or worse, pops or those kind of things you guys call that soda in the US. I think you'd be surprised if you were to add that up over the course of the day and then add it up over the course of the week and find out how many calories you'd be saving yourself if you switched it for water. That would probably be, if I was to give anyone weight loss advice where they're strapped for time and struggle with working out, that would be it. You would get a lot of success actually off of that just alone, I think. Even if you didn't have an active job, I think you'd probably get a lot of success with that because you're not taking in those extra calories that are making you feel full. The second biggest thing that I do is I manage my stress and I try to keep it as low as possible. This is where I feel my meditation helps me a lot with keeping weight off. I'm a person who can't eat when really stressed, but once I feel okay, I will actually binge. It's one of the reasons I don't do one meal a day too, also called OMAD. It's about finding what works for you and also being mindful about when I'm actually hungry is critically important too. I just briefly mentioned OMAD. So one meal a day or OMAD is where you essentially only eat one meal a day and you can pretty much eat whatever you want because it's like you essentially get all the calories that you would in a day in your one meal. However, I find that I get too hungry and I eat way too much and I feel worse. I mean, I like fasting, so I actually start off my day with a protein bar usually. I find that it 
keeps me full enough because I have a later lunch, actually. I eat it around one o'clock usually, depending on the day, but most times it's around one o'clock. So it's very hard for me to go completely fasting for the morning and not binge in the evening. So I do actually usually have a protein bar for breakfast. That's it though. And then lunch, I have usually whatever's left over from the night before. So it's a pretty decent meal. And then at dinner, as what I call in my area of Canada supper, it's whatever we have that night that's that's essentially cooked. And depending on how much I've eaten at lunch, I will kind of manipulate that to be about what I think I should be eating. And then I try... I usually don't have many desserts. I usually don't have any snacks in the evening. There are some exceptions, of course, obviously, but that's essentially my meals for the day, and it helps a lot. By not fasting too much, it helps me from that, but that's one of the reasons why the not drinking my calories is so successful too, because I know kind of how much I've had, and when you kind of get into those more caloric drinks, it's hard to know exactly how much you've had, and you don't feel full with those calories, as I was saying. The third thing, biggest thing, is eating at home. So, for those of you who can eat out easily, I actually do suggest trying to eat out at home more. I don't actually have the luxury of eating out a lot, as it is because I'm gluten-free, which I've been for over a decade now. I went gluten-free in 2012, and I actually get really, really sick when I have any even small amount of cross-contamination. But for those of you who can eat out easily, try to eat at home as much as you can. If you do have to eat out, though, do what you're doing before. Only have water. It's not only less expensive, I don't know if you guys have paid attention, but a soda or pop, as we call it here, will cost you a lot, and it's a lot of calories, and it adds a lot of extra calories to an already high caloric meal usually when you're eating out, so it's not only less expensive, but it's a lot less calories doing this. Being unable to eat out is a blessing and a curse for me, so it's a blessing because it makes this a lot easier to manage most of the time because I can't just go and grab whatever fast food is convenient. However, when I'm traveling, this becomes a huge issue because I'm not only gluten-free, but I'm so sensitive that I can't just go and eat out wherever I want. It's It takes a lot of extra planning and it's really, really frustrating sometimes. I actually could do a whole video on eating out with being gluten-free, I'm not going to talk about it all that much, but essentially it's both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing to my weight loss, but it can be very, very hard to travel with. I don't travel a whole bunch, but when I am traveling, it is frustrating and it makes me want to quit being gluten-free. And then it's, it's just not an option though, because I get so sick. And the fourth thing is, I would say mindfulness about when I'm actually hungry versus when I'm bored. I kind of briefly mentioned this, but it's a big one for me. I still catch myself in the evenings wanting a snack if I'm not busy doing something else. I'm aware of it now, but it used to be something I really struggled with. So I used to do a lot of eating while bored or eating while watching TV and eating while watching YouTube, all of that. And it was like terrible things like cookies or chips or all of that. And I mean, I still do occasionally and I'm a little bit more lenient when I have like food cravings around the time that I had my period and all of that. 
because it's like only a few days out of the month like it's not gonna be a make or break kind of thing but most of the time it's about being mindful about when i'm actually hungry and one of the easiest ways you can actually address this is by just not having this junk food around not buying it in the first place it makes the willpower because there is essentially no willpower when it comes to this you're gonna fail miserably if you rely on your willpower when it comes to losing weight there may be times i think where you do feel hungry or you're wanting something and it's not there but it's a lot harder to actually go out and buy that thing when you're actually wanting it you'll actually say no a lot easier if it's just not around so that's kind of the rule i have i guess with myself is try not to have it around in the first place but then be mindful about when you might actually be hungry versus when you're actually bored or just looking for something to do basically it, it's something that you have to learn a lot of mindfulness about and actually this is really good way to be more mindful in your life even if you don't want to have anything to do with meditation i think those are kind of the biggest things on how i maintain my weight loss i probably am missing some things but it's hard to talk about this without actually demonstrating it and it's i can't do that on a podcast obviously i mean i could for the video in the end but i might demonstrate it a bit more when i actually share the shorts for this video but those are kind of the biggest things that I wanted to cover with this particular thing. So my experience with maintaining and losing weight is that I feel it's a lot more about diet and these lifestyle factors than it is about how much exercise and moving around you're doing. I do feel that exercise is important, but it's one that you can have a little bit of leeway with and still have success on the scale. Weight loss is so much more than just the numbers going down on the scale. Those are how they measure it and how we measure it. But it's so much more than that. Basically bypassing that with a medication I just think is not a smart decision. I actually had a broken ankle during a few months of my weight loss journey in 2019 and was hardly able to move at all. So it was hard getting around because I was on crutches. It was impossible to carry anything. I was in a boot the entire time for like, I think I was in a boot for like pretty much two months by the time I was able to start walking again. And so I actually still had success with weight loss because I just was more restrictive with my calories. So it's a fairly obvious formula for most of us to lose weight. Like it's just about your calories in being less than your calories out. I do think there are some medical conditions and all of that. I wonder if actually the IIH made it a little bit hard to lose weight at the start. I do actually wonder if there are some medical conditions that can make this a little bit harder for some people and even IIH for that matter when I had the partial empty cell stuff going on. I wonder if that affected my hormones on the pituitary and all of that. You know, for the most part, I, I still think that it's about calories in versus calories out. And if you can find a way to restrict your calories and burn more off with in the form of weight loss if that's something that you have time for as well it's about burning more calories than you take in essentially and you don't need medication to do this and i really do feel like medication should be a last resort and i feel like that's not how it's being done these days at least it feels like it and so obesity is a huge problem and IIH's example of for many of us about why it shouldn't be ignored or claim that there are no ill effects from it 
I could get into a whole nother video on the health at every size thing. The bottom line with this is my IIH is in remission right now, likely due to weight loss. And having successfully accomplished this without medication is not only extremely satisfying, but hopefully it will inspire you as well. I actually wonder actually what the chances would have been if I hadn't have lost weight when I did or have been just starting out on this IIH journey now, how quickly Ozempic would have been suggested to me. I think it would have been suggested to me almost instantly because there is a huge amount of evidence that for a lot of us, IIH is a weight issue. And I mean, I'm a prime example of the classic textbook case of IIH where I've lost weight and it's gone into remission. However, you know, I think I would have been just as stubborn about how I felt about being referred to a weight loss specialist to begin with when it was first talked about. So I don't think I would have accepted this at all. I think I would have been very hesitant about it. And I think if you can possibly avoid having extra medication, I mean, I've always been a little bit hesitant about taking medication and being on medication. I'm not a fan of it. I'm young. I want to enjoy the period of my life where I don't have to take medication. I am not one to want to be on medication. So I'm all, I'm particularly even stubborn about when I have a cold and taking anything for it or, you know, when I'm even dealing with a migraine and taking pain medication, I'm really strict about that too. I'm just not a person who likes to be on medication. My feelings on taking medication probably does paint my worldview in a particular way, but I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably have the questions that I have about this and I feel like they're valid and fair in the in the situation. I guess my whole feelings on this are this shouldn't be used as the first line. Do I think there's a time and a place for something like Ozempic? Absolutely, but I don't think it should be being prescribed so quickly, basically, for all of the reasons that I've talked about before. Well, that's it for this particular podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I know it's going to be a bit longer than what you guys are probably used to, but I had a lot to say on this topic and I don't really feel the need to make a whole series on this because I don't really see the need for it. But if you guys have anything that I haven't covered that you'd like me to talk about or have any questions regarding this topic and you'd like me to cover that particular topic, just leave a comment down below and I'd be happy to address it or share my feelings on it. Again, this is just opinion, so don't use this particular podcast or video to make your final decision, maybe, but I'm hoping maybe somebody will find this helpful for considering as a factor about whether they should try Ozempic or even the weight loss version that's in the U.S. I think it's called Wajovi or something. Could be wrong about that. We don't actually have that medication here in Canada, so I'm not familiar with it, but it, from what I understand, it's basically just been rebranded particularly for weight loss. I hope you have enjoyed this particular podcast. If you did, feel free to give it a like. If you're wanting to, you can follow me across social media. I'm on Facebook at Ashley Stewart, YouTube at Ashley Stewart, TikTok and Threads and instagram at ashley awareness with ashley and on twitter slash x at 
Ashley Stewart 94. If you're wanting to support me and the cost of having the channel and all of that background footage that you see because it is not free, you can become a supporter on Locals. That's ashleystewart.locals.com. If you're listening to this on your podcasting app, be sure to like and follow and give us leave a review as it does help with getting the podcast in front of more listeners. And of course, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please do subscribe and like as it does help the algorithm determine that you're enjoying the content and you're engaging with it and it helps get it more seen by more people. And I think that's all of my social media plugging for today. So I hope you have enjoyed this one and I hope to see you in the next podcast. Bye everyone.